Good morning, Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's so great to be with you today on this August Sunday. And um, just wanted to take a moment, and as you, can, as you know, this has been pre-recorded uh, because I am actually somewhat in the middle of this 90-day sabbatical, this gift from you, the church, the staff, for 20 years of service here at Life Church. And I just want to say thank you. I, I uh, want to just say thank you for the board and the kindness and the consideration to me and my family uh, for such a generous um, time to be able just to kind of unplug, kind of go off the grid and uh, just kind of replenish and refresh myself, my soul, family. Again, Tammy and I are so grateful for you. As a church body, just want to say thanks for being here today and for just being faithful to the house of God, for practicing Sabbath and for, and for just honoring God with your time, your talent, and your treasure. You have no idea how much that means to us and how blessed we are. And to the staff uh, for an amazing job and just, just kind of shouldering a lot of responsibility, especially Ryan Coggins, our executive pastor during this time. I'm just so grateful. And I just wanted to take this, this weekend, this day, and just kind of share a message with you that I believe will be encouraging to you uh, wherever you are. And this is one of those messages that's somewhat timeless uh, because we all deal with what I'm going to talk about today uh, at some point or points along the journey. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 13. It's a psalm that David wrote in the middle of his anguish and frustration. You know, there are times in this journey, I don't care if you're a Christ follower or not, that you just, um, man, it's just rough. You're just discouraged. You, are, you find yourself at a place where you are just really um, having a rough way to go. And uh, you find yourself in a situation where you're, maybe you even feel like you're praying or you're asking for help. But it just feels like that maybe your prayers are kind of bouncing off the ceiling. Like they're really going nowhere. And, and the answers aren't coming. Uh, and, and you're facing difficulties. And you're facing a problem. You're facing circumstances. You don't know really what to do or what else to do. This is what the psalm talks about. What do you do when you're facing a problem? What do you do when you're discouraged in the process of that? What, what do you do when you're, you're there and you're like, man, God, are you even there? That's what this psalm talks about. So instead of reading the entire psalm and then just kind of walking it out, I just want to walk through this psalm today. Matter of fact, we're going to read the entire psalm. It's all like a handful of verses, but we're going to read that today and kind of unpack that. So when you're facing a problem, the first thing you do is you identify the problem. So if you're taking notes, I just got three statements or three words for you. First one is problem. This is going to make a little more sense as we read this. Psalm chapter 13, verse 1. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with my anguish in my soul, with my sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Now, I don't know about you, but I have felt like this before. I also think it's great that David is the one that wrote this, which means he's the man after God's own heart. That's the, that's the moniker, the, 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 the title that God gave and spoke about David. But he talks here about real feelings, of feeling forgotten, of struggle, of depression, of the enemy winning, having the upper hand. I think it's important that when you feel this way, you say it. Again, you're never going to say anything to God 
That's who he's speaking to. You're never going to say anything in prayer. You're never going to say anything that, quite frankly, is going to catch God off hand or off guard or like, whoa, that's too much or that's too raw or too real. I think most of the times we try to, especially as Christ followers, we just try to kind of shroud the, the problem or the situation in, in what I would call um, well niceties or we try to downplay it or we try to over-spiritualize it. David doesn't do that here. He talks openly about feeling forgotten by God. He talks openly about struggling right now to kind of keep himself where he needs to be. He talks about the, de- the depression, the anguish in my soul, the sorrow in my heart daily, and feeling like the enemy is winning. I just think that's really important for us to identify what's the problem today in your own life. What's the struggle? How are you feeling? It, it may help to write it down. It may help just to kind of get alone and just kind of say, God, this is what's going on, and just pour your heart out to God. You may not even be able to be this real with anybody else. It may be hard to be this real with yourself. But I think it's important. I know it sounds really simple because we're like, yeah, I know what the problem is. No, no, no. Take a moment and just pour it out. Write it out. Get it out. Put it all out there. Don't hold anything back. Don't pull anything back. Just many times God wants us to kind of come to the end of our self. I felt like this before. And you may go, you do, pastor? Like you, yeah, there are days, there are seasons, there are moments where it's like, God, are you there? God, what's going on? Lord, I have prayed. I brought brought the situation before you. I don't know what to do. Have you forgotten me? Is this going to be the end of me? Is this going to be the thing that takes me out? God, where where are you? What's going on? I don't understand. Because here's the deal is, the reason why we feel these things is because they're real. It's it's real. We we feel this because we're not just just mind or body, but we're emotion. We we have these feelings. And and so the deal is we're not led by our feelings. Our feelings don't determine our, our, our belief systems. We, we're, we're deeper than that. We're not that shallow. We're, we're led by faith and not by sight. But we can't negate the fact that we feel like this sometimes. And I think sometimes Christians have a, have a way of just kind of glazing over that and going, well, it's not a big deal. God's got it in control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get all of that. And we have all these Christian answers. But sometimes it's just being really real and raw about the problem and just literally saying, God, this is what I'm dealing with. So first of all, identify the problem. That's what he says. When you're facing a situation, when you're facing a circumstance, when you're facing a problem, you don't know what else to do. You feel like you're kind of at the end of the rope. Articulate it completely. Your feelings, even when you're not able to completely... Uh, articulate your feelings. Do your very best to express what's happening inside of you, what you're feeling, what's going on. The second thing here we see is prayer. The second thing to do after you've exhausted the problem and after you've articulated your feelings and your emotion, then begin to pray. Go to the Lord. Petition the Lord. That's another word I would probably use there. Petition the Lord. But begin to make this a matter of prayer. And pray. Look at verses 3 and 4. Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. That's pretty heavy. Look at verse 4. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, quote, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. The first thing you see there in prayer is that he's bold. 
Be bold. Whenever you're going to pray, be bold. Don't hold back. Be bold. Look what he says. Turn and answer me, God. I mean, if you're, just think about that statement. You're saying that to the Lord. And some of you, oh, I just don't know and whatever. Again, you're not going to upset the Lord. He knows. He knows your frustration. He knows what's going on. But anytime you're going to pray about something, be bold. Pray bold prayers. God's not off put by bold prayers. Why? Because he feels the desperation. He understands the circumstance. He understands the needs. Are you off put by your earthly children coming to you and asking you boldly for something? Whether they're six and they, they want a million bucks and they have no concept of what they're asking for, or whether they're 16 and they're asking for the keys to your new car, and again, they have no idea what they're asking for, or they're 35 and they're in the middle of, the, of an adult crisis and they're asking you for something, wisdom, guidance, direction, and they're pouring their heart out. Are you off put by that? No. Do you think less of them? No. Why? Because you were once six. You were once 16. You were once 35. You face similar things. This is what I love about who Jesus is, who we pray to. That the Bible says we have not a high priest, Jesus, who is not touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He understands. He walked this earth. He lived with the struggles of this earth. And humanity is humanity, whether it's in the first century or the 21st century. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, be bold. Don't hold back. Be bold in your petition before the Lord. What are you asking God for? Be bold. Secondly, be honest. Be honest. He says, restore me or I will die. He is very honest. This is, this is bottom line. This is where I'm at. I am honest before you, God. You're going to have to show up. God, I need you to answer. I'm going to die. I am, I am drowning here. I am dying here. I am being overwhelmed here. Lord, show up in this moment. Be honest before the Lord. You know what? He already knows how you feel. He's not off put by that. Matter of fact, when you come before him with boldness and with honesty, you catch his attention. He listens. He leans in. And the third thing that we see that, that's happening here is don't hold back. He talks about the fear of his enemies gloating over him and rejoicing in his downfall. Now think about who's, who's writing this. Think about who's praying this. David. David's articulated his problems, his depression, his anxiety, his worry, his fear, all of this. He's boldly asking God to turn to his situation. He's being honest to say, God, I feel like that I need you to restore me or I'm going to die. And then he kind of gives us a revealing look into his own heart. I'm concerned that I'm going to fall and my enemies are going to gloat over me. This is going to be it, God. I'm going to go down. I'm going to be done. And uh, again, this is the king of Israel. This is the blood lineage of Jesus. This is the man after God's own heart. And he felt, I'm going down and my enemies are going to ridicule and make fun of me and they're going to overtake me and they're going to rejoice in my downfall. What fear are you facing today? Be honest with God. Lord, Lord I feel like that if you don't show up, I'm, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to have to file bankruptcy. I'm going to have to. Lord, if you don't show up, I'm going to lose my my marriage. I don't know what else to do. God, if you don't show up, 
I feel like I'm going to lose my kids. God, if you don't show up, I feel like this business is over. God, if you don't show up, I feel like I'm going to miss what you want for my life. God, if you don't show up, I feel like I'm going to miss being in your will. God, if you don't show up, I feel like I am going to crater emotionally and just literally have a nervous breakdown. God, if you don't show up, I feel like that everything everybody ever said about me, what the teacher said back in fifth grade, what the coach said back in middle school, what what friends said about me in high school. I feel like all of the negative is going to become real and a real reality, and it's going to be almost prophetic in a way that it's just my pathetic life. Be real. Be honest. Be bold. But, But don't hold back. Let God know your fears. Sometimes the reason why the Lord allows us through these journeys is because it's a stripping away of who we are and a complete reliance upon him. Sometimes he wants to get us to the end of our self so he can begin to work in us. Sometimes the, the Bible likens us as to clay on the potter's wheel. God wants us to stay on the potter's wheel. And sometimes he will break us and crush us or allow things to break us and crush us, not to kill us or destroy us, but ultimately to build us. But it's so hard to see that when you feel like your back's against the wall. When you're battling depression and anxiety. When you're battling feelings of insecurity and insignificance. When you're battling loneliness and feeling like, man, who cares? God, are you even there? This is what David, the king of Israel, is facing. And if the king faced that, how much more will you and I? I know he's a person and a man just like us. But man, I encourage you, pray. Take whatever that is and pray. And how do you pray? Be bold. I'm giving you specific instructions. Be honest. And then don't hold back. Let all of your fears, all of your worries, all your anxieties, just cast them into that. And the third thing that you do, After you've articulated the problem, you've prayed, is that then the next thing you do is you go to praise. Now, I know this feels a little counterintuitive. I know you're not going to feel this, but you go to praise. Now, I want you to notice something here before we go to the last two verses, five and six. Nothing has changed in the circumstances of David's life. Nothing has changed, but there's a shift in his heart. He goes from the problem and how he articulates his feelings and his emotions. He goes to the, to the prayer where he petitions God boldly. He's honest and he doesn't hold back about his fears and about the enemy overtaking him. But then there's a shift. Nothing has changed on the outside. The, the winds haven't shifted. There's no evidentiary uh, 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 sight of, of the clouds have cleared and the sun's coming out. The, he's still in the middle of the storm. He's still in the middle of the battle. He's still in the middle of what's going on. But then he goes to praise. Look at verses 5 and verse 6. But, if you write, highlight, underline your Bible, that's a great word to highlight, underline, or circle. But, everything changes in verse 5. But, I will trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. And I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Nothing's changed on the outside. But something happens on the inside of us. When we articulate the problem 
And we get really real and raw and honest before God. And when we make it a matter of prayer and petition, almost like we're not getting up from this place, God, till you do something in our heart. Can I just tell you that the war is always won in prayer. The battle is always won first inside of you. Before it ever becomes a reality, it happens inside of you. There's this spiritual realization that becomes a physical reality in our life. Don't, don't just pass that by. Many times we want to kind of throw up a Hail Mary of a prayer. and We want God to show up and then all of a sudden everything changes and then we begin to praise him. No, 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 no. It's, it's, we, we, we're, we articulate the problem. We, we pray. And again, this is much more difficult to live than it is to preach. Trust me. Uh, but we are articulate the problem, we pray, and then nothing has changed. But in our soul, in our spirit, there is a shift. Because what happens in that moment is we connect. We as humans connect to, through the person of the Holy Spirit, we connect to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son, our, our great high priest. We connect. And all of a sudden, what happens inside of us is there is this change that takes place spiritually. I can't really articulate it. I, I can't put it like in a test tube. I, I can't point it. It's just you know when that's happened. You know when you have basically kind of gotten away and you've articulated your problem and you've prayed and you've done all that. And then you sense a shift in your spirit. Nothing's happened externally, but in your spirit. Nothing's happened in your finances, but in your spirit. Nothing's happened in the marriage, but in your spirit. Nothing's happened with your kids, but in your spirit. Nothing's happened at your job, but in your spirit. Nothing's happened about what you're dealing with, but there's this shift in your spirit. There's this thing in your spirit. There is this knower in your spirit that you just go, okay, I have articulated this to the Lord, and I have prayed because he's the only one that can show up, and I sense that heaven has been moved. It's this, it's this decision in your heart to choose to praise even before there's any evidence that the mountain's been moved or the storm has passed or the problem has dissipated or shifted. But look at what he says. I trust in your unfailing love. What's you praising God over? God's unfailing love. Has the Lord ever failed you? Well, let me think. No. No. No, I guess he hasn't. So, why would he fail you now? I don't know. Um, I guess he wouldn't. David begins to make these statements that are faith statements. They're, they're not faith statements that are built upon all of a sudden things have shifted and there's an evidence he can point to. It's faith. Remember, faith is always a precursor of evidence in the life of a Christ follower. Faith, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All of a sudden, David shifts in his heart in the spirit and says, you know what? I will trust in your unfailing love. Even though I feel this, even though I'm facing this, even though I don't know what the ultimate, I will trust in your unfailing love because God, you've never failed me. Second statement he makes is rejoice. I will choose to rejoice because you have rescued me. Remember where Jesus brought you from? 
One of the other versions, I think it's the New King James or the NIV, says, I I will rejoice because you have saved me. Do you remember where you were before Jesus? Do Do you remember the moment where you gave your life to Christ and the burdens of your heart rolled away like it lifted? Like you felt clean for the very first time on the inside. You felt this unexplainable joy and peace that passed all human understanding. Sometimes we get so caught up in going and doing. Not bad things necessarily, just life. And then sometimes we do get sucked into sin and we, we're led away by our own desires and our own flesh and we kind of get in situations we shouldn't be in. And But go back. I think this is a great thing to do. I don't care if you've been saved two weeks, two months, two years, or 20 years. Remember your salvation. Remember where God brought you from. Remember where you were. Remember how you felt. Remember that moment. Don't ever forget that moment. Because the enemy wants you to be lost in your problems and lost in the vortex of the storm and lost in the calamities that are going on around you and losing your mind. He wants you to lose all perspective. What's happening in here is that you're anchoring yourself back to God's never failed me. And God saved me. And he didn't save you to lose you. He didn't save you so that you would drown. He didn't save you so you would be lost. No, he saved you because he's got a plan and a future and a hope. David says, man, I rejoice because you're the one that rescued me. And the third thing he says, I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Now think about that. Who sings? When people, think about a, think about a, a, a sports game. When people are uh, leaving a stadium or, uh, you know, uh, um, an arena, who are the people that are singing and that are loud and that are, it's the winners. The losers aren't. They've kind of got their head dropped and they're kind of griping about this play and that play and whatever. It's the, it's the singers. I remember a couple years ago I was in a Western European country and and there was, as most of these, these countries, these uh, capital cities, they have these huge town squares. And there's all these restaurants and bars that are all around the, the city square. And, and uh, there was, a, there was a, a soccer match, or they would call it a football match, but, but a soccer match and, uh, that was going on. And, and, and we came in that evening, uh, probably, I don't know what time it was that evening, but you could hear all across that, that city square, you could hear the winning team. They were in the bars and in the restaurants, and they were singing their songs. And, and, and it was like, and I asked somebody, who was that? And they were like, oh, that's the winning team. They just, they just defeated, and ba-da-da-da-da, and it's the celebration that goes on. I mean, it was, it was like it caught your attention. It, it kind of drew you in. It was almost like you wanted to go check it out. See, winners sing. Victors sing. Overcomers sing. Losers don't sing. Losers don't. They, 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 don't, they don't sing. No. People that have overcome. People that are happy. People that are full of joy. People that are full of hope. There's the ones that sings. Not, if you go to the first part of the verse, feeling depressed, feeling struggles of anxiety, feeling like the enemy's going to win, feeling like you're losing. You don't feel like singing. But at the end of the chapter, verse 6, he says, I will sing to the Lord. I'm going to declare to everyone. The answer's on the way. 
I'm going to sing because I have victory. I'm going to sing because my hope is not built in me or my circumstance or my ability to save, but in him. Man, that's powerful. You're pre- I'm preaching much better than you're shouting. I know you're not here right now with me, but you kind of get what I'm saying. I just want to remind you today, we all face problems, situations, circumstances, sometimes of our own doing, sometimes not. And we feel discouraged, and we feel depressed, and we feel anxious, and we feel like, man, I don't know what else to do, and I feel like my prayers are going nowhere. What do I do in those moments? Get along with God and pour out the problem. Don't hold back. And make it a matter of prayer. Be bold. Be honest. Don't hold back about your fears and your anxieties. And you're going to feel a shift in your spirit. And God's going to show up. And when he does, that key word in verse 5, but, that changes everything. Your spirit changes before the circumstances change. Remember that. God's building and growing your faith. And in that moment, you trust in his unfailing love because God's never failed you. You remember your salvation, where he brought you from to where you are today. And you make a choice to sing because you are not a loser, you're a victor. That's the truth. I want to take a moment and I just want to pray for you that God will help you wherever you are today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I could say all of these things, but they're just Aaron. They're just one man's opinion. But when I read it in Scripture... It's truly the experience of David. But he's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. From you, Lord. And the benefit to me, according to your word, is it's applicable at every time, at every place in my life. So I pray for people that are discouraged today. I pray for people that feel overwhelmed today. I pray for people that feel like they're in a hopeless, helpless situation. I pray, God, that this message would encourage them to pour their heart out to you with the problem and to be honest with their feelings and their emotions before you. That they would come before you in prayer with petition and storm the gates of hell and come to you, Lord, and basically just be bold and not hold back and be honest about what's going on. And I pray in that moment, just like you did with David, you would meet them there. Before, before reality, before the faith becomes sight, you would meet them in that moment. And God, you would show up. Let them remember that you have never failed them. That you are the one who has saved them. And you've redeemed them. And you call them by name. And God, that they will sing of your goodness and your victory as a precursor to what you're doing in their life, in their circumstance, in their situation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the life and the hope that we have in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.